Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the essential role design plays in our everyday lives. And how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, Vince Frost. At Frost Collective, we are dedicated to designing a better world. Our specialist teams work across branding, strategy, place visioning and wayfinding solving problems with empathy and creativity to design experiences that benefit people, business, and the planet. And as a proud certified B Corp, we meet the highest environmental and social standards by balancing profit with our purpose to design a better world. To find out more, head to frostcollective.com.au. Welcome to today's episode of Design Your Life. In this episode, I had the pleasure of catching up with a formidable, straight-talking creative business consultant, Emily Cohen. Emily works with creative business founders to refine, evolve, and elevate their business strategies and practices. Tune in as we chat about designing a sustainable creative business, the influence her entrepreneurial father had on her growing up during the tough period in New York City in the 70s, and her upcoming talk at this year's No BS Conference in Melbourne. Uh, hey, Emily. Thank Hi. you so much for coming on the podcast today, Design Your Life. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Where are you? I'm in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yes. Although I have Bruce a New York Springsteen accent, song. so I'm really from New York. Oh, okay. All right, cool. And I'm in Sydney. Just got back from New York, uh, oh, LA, and, and London, so it's kind of cool to be back in Sydney. Slightly yeah. jet-lagged, so you have to excuse my kind of slurring or my puffy yeah. eyes. Um, we've connected because you're you're part of this event that's happening in Melbourne called uh, No BS, yeah. uh, which we know what the BS stands for. I'm not sure yeah. we can say it out loud, can we? <laughs> no bullshit. Uh, conference alongside one of our team members, he- heads of business, uh, Kat Burgess, who um, is going to be at the event as well. She heads up okay. our place team. Um, so it sounds like they've kind of brought together a whole bunch of really cool people. Yeah, I'm um, excited. And, um, yeah, I might even pop down to Melbourne to, to watch it as well in, in, in live as well, which would be cool. Can you talk about a bit what you're going to be talking about at this event? Yeah, I'm talking about uh, advocating for design. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that I think as an industry, this is kind of my latest, like, rallying cry. I'm just kind yeah. of uh, frustrated by our industry, by creatives in general, and by the education system, a lot of different reasons we're not advocating for the profession of design enough. And so our fees are plummeted, our value is plummeted with clients. Um, So for various reasons, I've decided that that's kind of my rallying cry to talk about like how we can advocate for the value of design, both as individuals, as an industry, as an association, as firm owners, and really think about what, what is design doing to our helping our clients' businesses and really talking more about that, less about like, here's another picture of a beautiful, you know, whatever font that I use. You know, like I think it's really about talking more about why we have value. And I don't think enough agencies are doing that, to be honest. I totally agree with you. I think that there's kind of a misconception that people in, creative people are in business are great at 
business. They're not necessarily great at business. And that's something that kind of I had to learn along the way over 30 years is the business of design yeah. and the, the value that that can bring when you get that right. And as I said earlier, like you never, you never feel like you've got a hundred percent right. Um, and you kind of, you know, we're all kind of in a way undermining each other. As well, an that's industry. my big, that's my big problem is that I think that we need to talk more about that, like that we shouldn't be undermining each other. That we yeah. as an industry should care about everybody in the industry and not do things that hurt us together, collectively. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard in a competitive market where um, obviously with COVID, it increased the number of individuals yeah. kind of set up their own business. And people will do whatever it takes to kind of win work because they need the work. They need the work yeah. to be in business. Um, I yeah, get that, I, but I, I, I still agree. think, I do think you still can be in business and, and, and practice professional ethics. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> I think with creatives, yes, they're they're getting. I have to say, when I first started my career, they weren't great at business. Now they're pretty good at business. I would say that we've elevated our practices, our business practices. What we haven't elevated is that most creatives are still people pleasers, and Absolutely. they have feelings. trouble. Yeah, and so I think it's not so much losing. We always have that fear of losing clients. Um, yep. It's not about losing clients. It's about just standing up for ourselves and speaking up and embracing conflict and. You know, educating our clients about why we are against this contractual clause or why we have value or why we shouldn't be brought in at the last minute on a project. You know, so I, I think that we could do a lot more than we have been doing no, and no, still I, not lose our clients. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of, um, uh, you know, I'm 58 next month, which is horrifying. I beat um, you by I'm, two I'm, years. Oh, really? I'm 60. What the hell? Yeah. Wow, you're looking good. If I can say that, you look great. Same with you. Um, you sure this isn't your daughter doing an imposter <laughs> thing here? <laughs> I think you feel young, works. you look uh, young. Yeah. Yeah, 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 good. Uh, well, anyways, we'll come, we'll come back to your general health and your approach to life and all that. But uh, <laughs> your secret, secret recipe. Um, Anyway, so I think that, like, it's really interesting you say people pleasers and that kind of focus on, you know, in a way, kind of like you feel as a creative person that your portfolio is never ready. Your portfolio is such an important thing for you as an individual. Right. Your creative outlet is really, really important. And now we live in a world now where it's no longer about the kind of design guru or the individual. There's much more about co-creation, mm -hmm. much more people coming together to create things. And I guess there's less possibly less ownership to an individual. I mean, I credit an organization on the back of being a designer, but I create an organization that's, for me, it's about designing a better world and helping my team have opportunities to flourish in. I want my team, all of them, to have a great career, a great yeah. life, and to have the opportunities um, to, do, to express themselves and do great things. Yeah. I guess when it comes down to it, like you think that, I don't know if you've experienced this too, that well, I, I definitely, no matter how long I've been in business, I feel like, you know, things can always be better. The outcomes could always be better. You're constantly yeah. looking at tweaking it, refining it, connecting with other people outside to advise you on how to contribute to uh, making your business, your life, uh, your work better than what it has been. And and so it's not to be not about being dissatisfied by no means, it's not being about critical about your team or people's efforts. It's just like with with creativity, I mean, I love it I, and, and I enjoy it, but it can be quite a, it's a hard thing sometimes, you know, so you don't always get it right. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, 
I don't know where I'm going with this, but the fact is that <laughs> for people for people who don't necessarily think that their portfolio is ready yet or as good as it could be, I've realized over time that that, and then you talk about kind of appreciating, standing up for your creativity and the value that it adds. Yeah. There's something in that kind of feeling that, you know, when is it, when is it right? When, when do you feel that um, what you're doing really is uh, of, of a quality or adding right. value to the world? Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I kind of stumbled through that, but my intention is kind of the, with a creative person who's incredibly sensitive um, and, and kind of really kind of obviously questions everything, knowing when it's good and to feel confident about it is 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 important part of that kind of I guess that yeah. makes it, you know. But I think it's also fear. that you have to really solve your client's problems. So creativity is not just about beautiful imagery no. and you know the best selection of fonts or whatever. It's really about did you solve the client's problems? And so I think finding out how we for a back, lack of a better word, you know, push the needle or, you know, how we help our clients grow through the work we do. How does brandy affect, branding affect our clients? Capturing those mm-hmm. metrics. Then that will make us feel better about ourselves as well. If we know that we have helped our clients succeed, yes. then it's less about did I do the perfect job, but more yes. did I solve the client's problems and did it result in what the clients needed? And I think we don't look at that. We only look at, like, no. is it the most perfect quality? But I want to know also... Both of those things, like how did the the design really solve your client's needs, and you know increase value or increase sales or whatever it needed to do? Yeah, totally, totally agree, and and it's it's very much um, certainly how we work here too at, at Frost Collective in terms of you know focusing on the client's brief, their problem, their that opportunity, and finding a unique solution for that particular problem. Yeah, but um, also and, then and asking was, them how did it do afterwards. Like so, after yeah. you're delivering, I think a lot of times when we're finished with a client, we're finished, and we don't follow through. So it's really about no. following through and say, how did that work out? How did I do? Yeah, you know, and be open to the fact that it might not be so good. Exactly, be open to the fact that it could be improved, and it's not too yeah. late because yeah. clients obviously, you know, you don't have to just you know design it, set it, and then off you go. Yeah. Uh, maintain that relationship, keep popping back, yeah. and keep tweaking it to improve yeah. it, and learn from that. Be open exactly. to learning from from what you think. And might clients have been love that. Clients love for you to ask them how did it do, capture those metrics, and if you failed, and honestly, ninety percent of the time it's not going to fail, right? So for the most part, you're going to find out these great success stories that you didn't even know by just simply yeah. asking. But then, if if in fact maybe something failed or it didn't do as well, if you embrace that and say, okay, let's figure out how to work and do that better. The client's going to love you. They're not going to say you suck because you did a bad job. They're rather like, I love that you're a partner with me and that we're trying to figure out what the next thing is to help elevate the value of this. So, you know, I think clients actually really appreciate when you're part of like taking not the blame, but taking some of the, you know, the ownership ownership of it exactly or responsibility yeah well, that in a way it comes back to what you're saying before around as an industry we need to be supportive of each other and look out for each other set kind of standards i guess i mean yeah. that is a great example of how you do that is by working on what you have right now building relationships with your clients where you actually are uh not an arrogant designer that sulks if you if they don't like the work yeah. <laughs> which i used to do a long long time ago um, but actually be, be a kind of a, a vital partner in their success yeah. and to, you know, be on that journey with them. Exactly. Without um, being a pushover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Tell me about your book, Brutally Honest. Yeah. To be, to be honest, I haven't read it, so. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, I want to hear about it. <laughs> um, so I will. I will read it. Oh, look who's right. Um, okay. Ironically, because I'm speaking at this conference, it's actually pretty funny because it's actually called Brutally Honest, No Bullshit Business Strategies to Evolve Your Creative Business. So okay. um, it's great that I'm speaking at a conference that has an, 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 no bullshit in the title. Um, yeah. I wrote this book about four years ago. Um, yep. It's been incredibly successful. It was self-published. And it's one of those books that I couldn't get published because it was nine colors it had, was like gorgeously designed. It had a lot of information graphics. It was designed for designers in mind. Um, so I had a blast um, writing the book. And mm -hmm. it's a business book for creatives, for all yep. stages of your business. Um, and it, it's very practical. You know, kind of like not, in, like every chapter is one topic. And I solve all your problems in a book. Okay. <laughs> And, so, and, yeah. and how was it incredibly successful? What does that mean? Like, well, I mean, it's self-published. I sold four thousand. I sold. I had printed it twice. Yeah. Um, we sold over five thousand copies. Um, cool. We are continuing to sell it as an ebook, and people continue to want it printed. But it's very expensive to print, so I've decided no longer to print it because I was self-funded. Um, yeah. And. It's just been, in terms of success, I mean, people have told me that it's affected their business. Like, he, I constantly, almost daily, get, you know, emails from people who read the book that said that one thing I said in the book changed their entire business structure, so, or Fantastic. their business practices. So, for me, the success is that I've gotten incredible feedback from people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. You yeah. dedicate it to your dad, yeah. Melvin Cohen? Yep. How did, he, how did he influence your life? Oh, my dad. So uh, my dad, um, similar to, we're going to talk about this in a minute. Um, I grew up in my father's business. He was a New York City bookseller in Manhattan, uh, in Wall Street. He owned two bookstores. Wow. Oh. And super typical, crazy, eccentric New Yorker. Um, and he taught me everything I know about being an entrepreneur. You know, So I would go to his bookstore pretty much every weekend, nights, holidays, whenever I could, whenever I needed to, to help him run the business. And I did everything from like dusting the shelves to, you know, talking to customers. I remember delivering books and, you know, in um, the World Trade Center. I would, eight years old, you know, get in the elevator at World Trade Center and deliver books to people I'd never met before. Uh, so I learned how to cool. deal with people at eight years old, you know. Um, yeah. And so I learned so much from my father about how it was to run a business you know, um, and also possibly a little bit how not to run a business. Um, and, you know, one of the things I, one lesson I remember very clearly is I, there was never any chairs in the store, like no chairs. And, and he was like, you should never sit down on the job. You know, your job is to constantly be moving and doing things and helping the business. And so I never was able to sit. And so that was both a positive in that I learned that business takes work, but it also was a little bit of a negative because I can't sit still. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope he had chairs at home. I mean, was he that yeah. kind of, did he, oh, he did, okay, cool. Yeah, we had chairs so, at home, but productive, it, the big <laughs> word in my family was, are you being productive? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Get out of bed. It's 6 a.m. Oh, don't waste the day. That yeah. was my father. I was never allowed to sleep late, ever. Yeah, my mom used to come around with a vacuum cleaner, like, 5.30 in the morning, or she'd be cooking dinner at 6 a.m. Yeah. Uh, for the night ahead, and I'm like, Jesus, mom, yeah. you know? You just could never sleep. I yeah. mean, I, I still can't sleep in, to this day. Yeah, no, that's kind but of, that's unfortunately, that, that did <clears throat> create a lifelong <laughs> unrest with me. But I don't mind that. I love my life. I love, yeah, you yeah. know, being busy. So That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing better than that. Um, yeah. 
I think um, what it was interesting was, I guess, like, did your dad equally share um, his frustrations with the business around the dinner table, or did you see that in your life? Well, you know, a gr great, yeah. successful business, a lot of people enjoying the products, etc. He never, um, he, honestly, yeah. I think he was a very positive human being, so he really didn't. I never saw the negative. I mean, I remember because it was in New York. It was in New York City, the stores. And back then, New York City wasn't what it is now. And there was a lot of crime back then. And he used to get mugged. And his store was robbed many, 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 many times. And it was like just the cost of doing business. And it was never a big thing. Like, it was so funny. I remember one time he came home late for dinner. And he had some black and blues on his face. And we're like, what happened? He goes, oh, I got pushed down the stairs and mugged. But I'm okay. Let's have dinner. <laughs> you know, it's just th that's what. And he was never, it never I don't know. He was amazing influence in that way. And your mom? Was your mom around? Yeah, my mom was around as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. She, she was just down the stairs? No. She was, no. She was a little... She's a whole other story. <laughs> okay, all right, right. Clearly, we're not going to discuss that. No, I um, love my mom, but she... I realized long, later in life that she was not meant to be a mother. <laughs> but my father was everything to me. And, you know, oh, wow. yeah. So, and he lived till he was uh, 92. He just recently passed uh, two years ago. So. I'm sorry to hear that. But it sounds like you had an incredible relationship yeah. with him while he was alive and, and learned yeah. a lot. Yeah. You describe yourself as a no-nonsense no consultant, yeah. speaker, teacher, and author. Yep. Um, can you kind of un unpack that? Like, where, sure. where did that come from? Is that, is that from your upbringing with your father? Yeah, it's both. I think it's, it's a couple of things. It's from my upbringing from my father, but it's being a New Yorker. But it's also just... I have found over the years that being honest and direct and truthful without being mean gets you to better places in life. You know, being able to advocate for yourself and speak up for yourself. So I've always been very direct and honest with my friends, with my family, and with my clients and teaching them honesty, you know. And so I talk to my clients a lot, especially to my new, to new clients. You know, when I start working with them, I warn them, like, I'm going to tell you that what I think is the truth. And you might disagree with that. And that's cool. Like, I want those disagreements because I think if we have those disagreements and you push back on me, then we get to a better place, right? Yeah. So I think honesty always leads to a better place. I, I, I never see it, you know, I grew up with the, the, my mom used to have the saying, honesty is the best policy. Um, yeah. And I still believe that. I, I try to teach my clients that, you know, it's, there's this running joke in my family because whenever I'm talking to clients, almost always... My husband hears me on the phone telling a client, well, have you asked them or have you told them? Like a lot of my clients call me to, like and my clients are creatives, to mm -hmm. complain about a client or complain about staff. And I'm like, well, did you tell them what the challenge was or what the problem was? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, and so I'm like, just tell them. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so did you start out, uh, did you study design? Is that how you got into I the did. design industry? Okay, I did. Cool. Yeah, I went to design school, but, and I was a designer for many years, for like about five years. But I pretty quickly that's not realized, that many. yeah, five, seven years, something. <laughs> As you get older, the years I don't even yeah. know how long it was. Those, but I was, those years are important. Yeah. But I wasn't like I was. I was also a designer. I had a full time job while I was in college as an art director of a magazine. So, and then so I had oh, pretty cool. senior level positions pretty early on in my career. Um, yeah. But I realized pretty quickly that I just wasn't great at it. <laughs> <laughs> like I kind of sucked at design and I didn't have a passion for it really? but yeah but I still love design I loved all the designers um, yeah. and that was my community that was my people and so yeah. I had to figure out what I was going to do with that and I landed on being a manager so I 
back then when I first started my career, um, I became a studio manager um, of a design studio that I grew from five people to 50 people. So, yeah. and I did everything but design. Like I ran the business, I hired everybody, I fired people, I priced things, I proposed, I wrote proposals, I managed the clients, I managed the project managers, I managed the clients. So yeah. I gained a lot of hands-on experience in the business of in the business world. Yeah, well, I, I always say that design isn't just by designers. Every single one of us on this earth is a creative person. Yep. And often our education system beats that out of us, where mm -hmm. a few of us kind of manage to kind of get through that and come out and still be creative. Yep. Um, but I think that an organization, a design company, for example, a creative organization, everybody in that organization is is creative. And talking about what you just, what you just said, growing the, growing the team from five to 50, yep. that, is, that is a design yeah, that's that's creative. I still um, I still think what I do is very creative, like thinking about how a business is structured and thinking about how you can better manage your clients and projects. That's all very creative kind of thinking. Um, yeah. So I do. I agree with you. I think it's completely what I do is very creative. And I, I'm very proud of the output and the, you know, the advice I give people because I think it's new ways of thinking. I'm constantly trying to elevate everybody's practices you know, look at what's good, what's happening at the outside the design world. What can we bring into the design world? What can we learn from other, you know, businesses? Yeah. And just constantly yeah. elevate. Like, I'm constant. This is what I love about a business. Our business is constantly evolving and changing. You know, the yeah. services, you know this, the services we provided, we provide now are not the services we were used to provide years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, so I love it. I love that I'm constantly learning and growing because our industry is constantly evolving. Yeah, it's constantly evolving. You yeah. know, it, it kind of felt like it was a long for a long time. It was a certain way. There's patches of kind of being kind of feels like it's set in a certain way. And this is kind of prior to, you know, you know, between I guess uh, the before computers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember what it was like to design yeah. and lay out books and magazines by hand yeah. before there was computers. I mean, that waxing was machines. Very, Do you remember waxing? Yeah, machines? waxing machines, PMT cameras, yeah. all those kind of oh, stuff yeah. that was. Yeah. I remember the first photocopiers coming in that were like black and white. Yeah. Um, that could they had set enlargements and reductions. Yeah. And, and it was just kind of you know, there's it feels like long periods of time. Yeah. Um, I, obviously it's changed dramatically how we work now with kind of I guess the pandemic, with technology, uh, how the whole world now has opened up in yeah. a way to everybody to I be able to work it. anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere, and then there's a guess there's possibly the threat of, some people see there's a positive thing AI coming up rapidly. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, things like that where, um, you know, that might take a lot of our work away from us. People think it's going to take the stuff oh. we don't want to do away yeah. from us, but I think it's going to be bigger than that yeah. and have more impact on us. But I guess like when I think about um, when I started out, I was at Pentagram in London for five years and I remember I felt I had to leave to kind of establish a name for myself. Uh, so I created Frost Design. And I remember sitting in my uh, spare room or it was actually a friend's studio at the time waiting for the phone to ring, thinking now, I'm a business, right. I can do what I can do, uh, but the, quite the realization that nobody knew I existed. Yeah. <laughs> nobody knew I was there waiting for opportunities yeah. because I didn't actually, uh, and I, I learned quite quickly. And I think, I think that I could have given up then, actually. I could have gone back to another company going, you know, that, that didn't work. Yeah. But I was determined to, to find a way of making it work. How do you connect with opportunities? And that's kind of the heart of, what we do. Yeah. Yes, there's running running a great business, but if you don't have the opportunities, yeah. you can have a great business of 50 people and still sit there yeah. with nothing to do. And yeah. and you'd be out of business very quickly. Exactly. So I think that it's it's quite interesting the 
the business of design, getting opportunities, creating, cre establishing a name for yourself uh, that people will refer you to to other people is really interesting. That whole process of, of creating that isn't something that happens overnight. It can take years to establish that. Mm -hmm. how, how do you, do you touch that in your book? Or, yeah, or I do, I'm best that? part of my consulting practice that I help my clients elevate how they think about new business or how they think about business development. And I always, and this is part of, it's going to be a little bit about my talk. I think we rely way too much on incoming business, right? So referrals, yeah. people calling us, and we allow those people to kind of shape the direction of our business. And what exactly. I like to tell people is that if you are building relationships outside of the relationships you already have, then you're able yeah. to shape the direction of your business in the future. But yeah. what happens is most firms stagnate because they're just relying on all the referred business. And what well, happens... It's not... Yeah. I, I, sorry. I, I think in terms of, you could say, stagnate, people could have a very successful business reacting to opportunities. Yes. But it's the pro proactiveness that people are often well, too busy to I do. What I mean by right? stagnate, not financially necessarily, but creatively, they might not be yeah. happy with the product. They might be bored with the kinds of clients they ended up with. They might have, you know, I've had clients that started, like I, have, I've, I remember I had a client once who did both branding and packaging. And one year she didn't get any packaging clients. They just yep. didn't come in. And so her portfolio, her team's portfolio had no packaging that was relevant for the last year. So to go back and to get packaging, which was her passion and her strength, was really hard because she had no fresh work to show because she allowed, and she didn't go after. So, and to me, I think what you said is really true. It, to me, I don't like the word new business or sales or marketing. I hate those words. I try to get those, those words out because we always think car salesmen when we think about new business. And... Um, so I really like talk about it as or, if it's... Or women. Come on. You're being sexist there. Yeah, I am. Car sales women and car sales people. Men. Sales people. <laughs> people, yeah. Um, um, but I think that it's really about building relationships or relationship building. And what I call building yeah. the love, it's that you just stay in touch with people. You introduce yourself to new people. Like I'm constantly, I'm an extrovert, but I know many, many of my clients are introverts. And they still are able to meet clients one-on-one, -on -one, prospects one-on-one, -on -one, just at a conference or an event, really reaching out to people that you admire, that you want to work for, and just introducing yeah. yourself, but not trying to like hard sell them. So a lot of times we yeah, just yeah. think, okay, I'm going to call them. They're going to give me business. It's going to be beautiful. That's not how it happens. You call yeah. them, you introduce them. They're not going to give you business, but you stay in touch with them. You send them an email blast yeah. once in a while. You might call them to say hello, you know. Um, I have, for instance, today, just today, I had spoken at a conference, I would say at least 15 years ago, with mm -hmm. another designer that was on stage. And I've stayed in touch with that designer. Today, he turned into a client 15 years later, right? Literally uh, today, I signed yeah. a contract with him. And it was just because I stayed in touch with him. Yeah. And I literally just called him like about a month ago because I noticed he changed his name, his firm's name. And so I said, I love your firm's name. Just wanted to say hi. And then he's like, oh, I've been meaning to call you, right? So Who is this? Yeah. <laughs> no, he knew who I was. I mean, All right, yeah. because I stay I'm in joking. touch. So no one forgets yeah, yeah. me. <laughs> but they will forget to call me because I'm not top of mind unless I'm, yeah. I, I have to make sure I'm top of mind. And I tell my clients, we sometimes avoid just reconnecting with people and saying hello once in a while and spending time. Because a lot of times we just want to do like run our business or manage our clients or design, you know, the projects, but we don't spend time just calling people and saying hello. Yeah. I, and I think that what you say is um, 
I've, I've found, like, I have to say, I, I was, I, I wouldn't say I'm an extrovert now. I don't know if you can be an introvert that becomes an extrovert, but I'm definitely not, I don't feel like I'm an introvert. There's sometimes I am one. Yeah. But I had to really shift from being an introvert or someone had really very sensitive person. It's not that I'm not sensitive anymore, but connecting with, outwardly connecting with people, I found incredibly hard. So learning how to do that yep. isn't something that happens overnight for no. a lot of people. And a lot of creative people are introverts and they struggle with connecting with people. Yeah. They struggle with even understanding business. Yeah. Um, and I was definitely in that kind of category. They see kind of businesses, this kind of like a uh, NAF or corporate monster or, or, or looking at the world in terms of, you know, I'm a creative, this is art, creativity, Business is yeah. about making money, and that's not what I'm into. A lot Because a lot of creatives don't do so well at school. Um, I know I didn't do so well at school academically, but I yeah. really thrived in a creative uh, yeah. situation. And actually, what that opportunity of thriving in creative, helping people with their brands and their businesses, transformed me in, into a business person. Uh, and, and that was a really wonderful journey, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It was really hard. Yeah. I kept getting sucked into the creative, kind of working in the business, not on the business. You know, there's a big shift that I think is a business only need to make from working in the business to working on the business and having a vision, yep. having kind of a purpose, having a direction and, 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 and building all that around you, especially when you have people working with you and you're leading people, mm -hmm. even if it's just one person, um, you need to take them on the journey as well and make it really clear and transparent. Yep. And a lot of creative people um, struggle with that uh, because it sounds naff. It sounds like, you know, it, it's kind of the, 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 the cannot the reason why you got into being a designer, yeah. right? Because a lot of people are designed for self-expression, right. uh, for the craft, for creating stuff, for making, making things. I also think Anyways. that we put up blocks. I think, first of all, I think I shouldn't have used the word extrovert and introvert because I also don't agree with those. There's very binary terms, and I think there's a lot of subtleties in between yes. personalities. Like some of us are yeah. introverts and extroverts, you know, a multivert, you know, like we can do a lot of different, we are different in different environments, right? So... A lot of us, we put these kind of blocks, say, I'm not very social, or I don't like talking to people, or, you know, and there's different ways we can make relationships happen that are authentic to each of us. So it's just like yeah. identifying what you're, rather than just thinking, I am like shy, or I am whatever, it's really looking at your strengths and say, how can I use those strengths to build relationships? Because we all have, I always say this, like, we all have friends, right? Every one of us has friends. And that's yep. just taking that to business, right? It's taking, how did you make friends? And now you do that in your business. Well, well, do you go looking for friends? I don't know. You don't go looking for friends, do you? Or maybe I do. you do. Maybe. Okay. I well. think people do. I think when you're, especially as you're adults, you know, sometimes you lose touch with your friends and you want new friends. Or you, Like I moved to Philly and I had no friends and I had to make friends, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's, for me, I'm, I think that a lot of people still need to do that. Also, especially nowadays with COVID, I mean, we're so isolated from each other that we need to, we're just kind of scared of reaching out again. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually really true. Yeah. You, you, do you teach a business of design course? Yep, I did for 15 at years. Tyler School. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing, in Philadelphia. Yeah. What have you learned from that experience working with the students yeah. um, that you've met and mentored over the years? Yeah, so I've been doing teaching that course for 15 years uh, at various schools, most recently at the Tyler School of Art, which is part of Temple. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And it's always great to teach that class. I, I, I'm actually a little torn because I teach undergraduates, and I actually think undergraduates are quite not ready for the business of design yet. They're too young, and they're too focused on their craft, and they don't care about the business, and I'd yeah. rather do it at this more master's level. But that said... Um, it's been fantastic experience because I 
they are their eyes are their eyes are wide open they're excited to learn something that their teachers are not teaching them you know i find most educators and forgive me t- for the people that are listening to this podcast that are educators but most Uh-oh. educators don't have a robust practice and their whole business is really teaching and they might have some side business but they don't practice business as yeah. you and i run a business and have staff yeah, yeah. and clients and all this stuff so i really they really students like eat the stuff up that I tell them. And I teach them a lot about pricing how and our value as design. I talk to them about business ethics. I talk to them about contracts and how to negotiate and what the terms of a contract are and all these things. And it's been, it's yeah. been a great experience. Um, I absolutely love teaching. And also for me, I learned so much from teaching because I get to meet the next younger, younger generation and hear their struggles and hear what they care about and what's happening in the industry. So it to me is a win-win on both sides. Um, Yep. I just recently stopped teaching, though, because I realized it was just exhausting. I was just so tired from it um, because it takes – I was teaching five-hour – can you imagine? I was teaching a five-hour class on business once a week for five hours. Jesus yeah, Christ. It was a really long class. <laughs> wow. And I thought it – because it was – they considered it a studio class, which was hysterical. Was there anybody left after five years? It was like one person sitting there. No, I did everything I can to keep them engaged. I had a lot of guest speakers. I brought in all my clients and everybody, because I know a lot of people in the industry, so I called in a lot of favors, so it wasn't just me speaking to them. So they really heard from other, that's what they loved, is hearing from other people. Because I think the other thing about our industry is we all have slightly different beliefs and values and ways we price projects. And so hearing all the different ways... Yeah, yeah. It's really important for them to be exposed to the business. So they love that part of it, not me just lecturing them on how to price, but hearing yeah, yeah, how yeah. other firms have priced or how other firms have negotiated. Or, yeah. you know, so it was, I think it was a fabulous experience. And I never, you know, I always got rave reviews and loved my, I loved my students so much. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's that's really interesting point around, you know, you, what's what's worked for you might work for others, but it's not the only way to do it. There are other, people can find other yeah. ways and alternative kind of options and around I, that. And I think what's really important, and this is something I'm going to be talking about, is that we need to do more sharing across the industry. There is a lot of that now where there's Slack channels of business, business principles all talking to each other yeah. and sharing best practices. And I think we need to do much, much more of that. So we could talk about, like, did you negotiate this clause in this contract with this client? Like, how did you handle it? Why did you sign that? You know, like, or... I, I have somebody that's an employee that's tough. How did you handle this? So I think the more we talk to each other, the less we're competitors and the more we are peers, the better we are mm. for an industry. Um, and, Absolutely. and this younger generation is doing more of that, but I think we need to elevate that even more. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree with you. Yeah. I mean, the business, I mean, frankly, I say all the time, the business is incredibly hard. Like, you can make it easier. You can make it better. You can stop working against yourself. You can run a better business. You can design a better business, better systems and all that. Yeah. But uh, things get things have got a hell of a lot better for me over time uh, by, by by constantly trying to make it a better business. Yep. Um, but, you know, it, it is it is hard. It is it is can be relentless. I mean, it's yeah. mostly up, but there are times when it's down. And you kind of – and I guess um, – the more that you feel like you're getting it right, the less the feeling of downtimes yeah. uh, occur. Um, but some people are stuck in that time when everything feels like it's going wrong. Yeah. Opportunities aren't coming. The work work isn't happening. The clients don't appreciate the work. You know, you're not making any money. Yep. You know, you make what money you're making is kind of spent on doing the doing the work. And um, you know, the, 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 there are patches 
I, I guess from from my experience, like look at that and be determined to actually design your life, and that's why this whole podcast exists. Yeah is the belief that you can design a better life, you can design yeah. a life that you want, you can design a business that is um, what you want it to be. Yeah. Uh, and as opposed to just letting life happen or just letting business happen. Exactly. Um, you know, let, let, and that take you in all kinds of directions. Yeah. It's, it's really important to, I think, to, to focus on what it is. What, what, in the next three years, what would you like your life to look at? What yeah. it look like? What, um, yeah. In the next three years, five years, ten yeah. years, what would you like your business to look like? Um, even if you can't imagine that being a reality, if you if you dream, yeah, then those dreams come true. Oh, and, and I think with, with the right with the right plan, and and we do it for our clients every single day. Yeah. you know, we we help them create yeah. their their yeah. goal, their dream, dream. Yeah. That's what I'm always constantly as a consultant. I'm t I really look at the future. You know, I can fix mm. your broken problems, and I will help you fix any broken problem. But I also want to look at the future and say, where do you want to be? And then what, how do we get there? Like, what's the path? So I, don't, I think a lot of people are just living day by day, running their business day by day based on the latest client calling them, the latest fire. Yeah. And, you know, they're not thinking strategically and future-wise. Like, where do they want to be? What, who are the ideas? Like, a lot of my clients, for instance, they hire under a fire. They all of a sudden get a big project, and they feel like they have to hire. And they always yeah. hire the wrong person <laughs> because yeah. they're just in this emergency mode. So even thinking about your staff, like what's the ideal staffing model? What kinds of people do you want on your team? What kind of roles yeah. do you want? And then really sending that message out to the universe, really, it's about manifesting your destiny, which is what you're talking about a lot. You know, and, Absolutely. And, and then you start making smarter decisions because you know where you want to go. And then you do things to make that happen. And then you know who is the right person for your business. Because, I mean, yeah. over the years, of course, you have know when you've hired somebody who's not the right business, how, how detrimental that can be yeah. to the whole culture of your overall exactly. One person can actually turn oh, other people the other way. Yeah. Um, but so, so, and that's about kind of really setting what is your business, what's its purpose, what are the values uh, in creating a culture yeah. of like-minded people. Yes, diverse people, but but kind of all focused on the same objective. Yeah. You also work with your daughter Hunter. Yeah. Um, and that's really really cool. Um, and how has it how has it been working together? It's been great. It's a, it's a relatively so she's um, been in my business. I think you and I talked about this before we started the podcast, which is, you know, she yeah. grew up in the business, right? She was my office was right next to her bedroom. She it was incredibly smart. Even, oh, she was much kid. more of an adult than she was a kid, <laughs> and so she was always part of my yeah. business. My clients all knew her. You know, I used to yeah. run a conference. She was at the conference. You know, like she's always been a part of my business. And so we just made it official this year. Um, and now she's a business partner. She went right from, you know, working in the business world to then joining me full time as a, a business, as my partner. And um, it's been great. I actually say she's incredibly, and I don't say this just because my, she's my daughter. She's, in, she's a good compliment for me. Like I'm a big idea person. She's more tactical. Mm -hmm. Okay, now how are we going to do this? And gets it done. And so we make a really good compliment. And also we have great age difference, right? So I'm 60 years old. She's 28. So we have different world perspectives. And it's been really beneficial to our clients to have that kind of diverse opinions. Um, mm. And so it's and all my clients uh, like love her and love the, the back and forth and the banter we have and the, you know, sometimes disagreements, you know. Um, and it's been great. 
So I absolutely love working with her. I, I told you before we started this thing, the funny thing is that my husband absolutely insisted that we go to therapy before we became partners. <laughs> so that helped a little bit. Um, but honestly, this goes back to being honest. We haven't had money conflicts because we just talk about them. We're honest with each other, you know. Um, and so it works out really well. So if there's something that is a problem, we just talk about why was that? Why did you react that way? Why did you get mad at me? Or and we get to resolve it, and it's been great. And my clients completely value her as a, as an expert, and they don't look at her age, but they look at her experience because she brings a lot of industry experience outside of my business. And it's been it's been an unbelievable experience. And I'm I'm and looking forward value. to the future. And she has a whole different, different vision for my business. She wants to expand yeah. it. She wants to grow it. So I've been focused mostly on creative-driven firms that are, you know, small to mid-sized. Like most of my clients are between 15 and 30-person firms. She really wants okay. to. Her experience is more in the agency world, so she wants to expand it to working with agencies and marketing firms. So I'm really excited about the future because I think she's going to add a whole different perspective. That's really really cool. Yeah. You think? I mean, obviously, your husband was very insightful. Yeah. He, he must know. You know you two very well. <laughs> you guys need therapy from the outset. Um, just can you talk about about that? Because that would be really interesting. The idea of well, what was what did you cover in that to kind of feeling that you got to a, a, a mutual understanding of you know yeah. maybe two different objectives, but but you know knowing you're in the same business and the same family, etc. I think first of all, it helped. We did a what's called I do this for my clients um, a behavioral motivation assessment. So we realized after doing this, uh, what's called a DISC assessment, um, that we came from different places in thinking about things. So some of the, when with, once we knew the underlying issues, we figured out how to fix them. So for instance, I have slightly big, big ego and I need to be complimented once in a while. <laughs> like I need to. You look great, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's I a like good job. I like your glasses. Yeah. <laughs> but Anything I, else? Yeah, I just need, I just need positive <laughs> reinforcement. You know, yeah. whereas my daughter doesn't. She goes right for the jugular, you know, so I will Ooh. do So I'm And I'm like, so what, I, what we realize that she just needs to say, good job, mom. Now, here's what you did wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that made a big difference in our relationship. Like just saying to me, I know you worked really hard. I know this idea really is a good idea, but let's poke some holes and get it even better. But do you now know that that first positive thing is not sincere? No, <laughs> she actually... Is it legit? No, because she would never... Because this goes back to the honesty. She will never bullshit me. Okay. You know, yeah. um, and she completely values me. And I think the other thing therapy helped us with was the difference between mother-daughter relationship and business partners because we have to treat each other differently. Yeah. So she was a little bit... Both of us disrespected each other when we were... Like we do with families... And we learned it, we had to learn how to respect each other and talk to each other a little differently. So we had good conversations around, you know, that we have to have different ways of communicating when we're business partners. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think it's really cool. Cool. I guess that the, the, you would have had some learnings from other experience of working with your dad too. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a, a family business, and obviously, it's not just the. I mean. You know, I, I, I live and breathe my business and always have yeah, done because I absolutely love what I do. Same with me. And your your family's exposure to yeah. that involvement and, that, and all your friends and everything yeah. around you, your whole ecosystem yeah. is very much aware of that and part of that. Yeah. So it's so it's so vital that you get that right yeah. because it, when it doesn't work, it's 
yeah. painful. The, like if yeah. people around you don't appreciate what you do and your your dedication to what you're doing, exactly. It really, it really kind of it pulls you in different yeah. directions. Um, the running joke in my but, family though know, is I also have a son that I never talk about. And then, <laughs> no, you didn't talk about him. Yeah, and it's because he doesn't care about the business of what I do. He loves, he's very proud of me, and he loves what I do, but he's gone in a whole different direction. But it's always really funny because people, my clients are always like, you have a son? <laughs> so I always really feel bad for my poor yeah. son. But Can we meet him? Yeah. <laughs> he's, oh, he's, no, he has his own life. He's in Washington, D.C., changing the world. So Was he a politician? He's in uh, policy, so he's in the political space mm. on the good side. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> so he's trying to change the world and make a big difference. That's I'm very proud of him. But you know, it's Fabulous. pretty funny. I always really bad feel bad that <laughs> no one knows I have uh, a son. Well, they do now. <laughs> um, certainly, our listeners do. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll 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 give his LinkedIn LinkedIn uh, page uh, afterwards. <laughs> What's the one piece of advice um, for young entrepreneurs starting out in the industry, and what what would it be that you think that would be beneficial to hear mm, right now? That's a good question. The one piece of advice I think is to stand up for yourself. To learn to stand up for yourself and advocate for yourself is really, I think, one of the things that we don't, more and more people are not don't have that skill because the world has been terrible. Well, you know, obviously the world has been kind of terrible right now and people are just kind of fed up. And and I think it's really about learning learning to stick up for yourself, even from a young age. Even like I did that with my, my students. I'm like, if they had a landlord issue, talk to the landlord, deal with it, you know. Um, so I think it's really about just advocating for yourself and sticking up for yourself. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with that. Actually, when, I, when you were talking about that, when I was reading out the question, this made me also think that when do you go from being a designer to an entrepreneur? Because that there's, there's kind of, I, I struggled with that oh, initially yeah. when people kept calling me an entrepreneur and I couldn't even spell the goddamn word. Um, <laughs> I still struggle, I still struggle with that word. Um, but it's like, you know, it's actually just being in business doesn't make you an entrepreneur if you get into it by default. Yeah. And a lot of designers get into it by default yeah. because it's like a painter and decorator. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you work for someone to learn the skill, learn the trade, and then you, then, then people yeah. start calling you direct to do it. Like, that transition is quite a, a tricky yeah. one. I think it's worth the, unpacking that yeah, a bit. Yeah, I, you know, I honestly, as a consultant, this is something I have to deal with on a daily basis because most of my clients started, the business, started their business for usually one of two reasons. One is that they just had a tricky personality and could work with other people, or they wanted creative, <laughs> like they wanted creative independence. Right. They and but they didn't start a business because they liked business. And so one of the things I really have to work with my clients on almost always is that their job is not to design. If you own a business, your job is not to design. Your job is to run your business. And so teaching them that. And sometimes I'm really blunt. I'm like, if you want to do these things, if you just want to design, then you should just go get a job. Yeah. Because, you know, that's not as a principal of a firm, whether even if you're a solopreneur, um, you need you need to focus on the business, you know, rather than doing yeah. the work itself, doing like client work. And so it's really to understand that. And so I really have to educate my clients that I think they all can do it. Like you don't yeah. have to have the education and background, but we you need to you need to learn this stuff. And so and I've gotten, I have to say, I think I've had great success turning my clients who were more creative focused to being more business focused while still being fantastic creatives, right? So, um, yeah. 
it's worked out pretty well. I've been able to be very clear with my clients and teach them the skills that they need, but still use their creative skills. Like constantly, like what we talked about is what running a business is very creative. It's just, just using yep. different skills, but using your creative mind as well. You know, so I think it's always like I always tell people, especially my students, you know, like don't start a business if you don't know the business or if you don't know how to run a business, you know, or you don't like business. You know, like one of the things I hear a lot from my clients is they always call me and say, okay, I need the, their first, their first question they always have is, should I hire a new business person? You know, that's always, cause they don't want to do new business. They hate new business. They don't want to yeah. do it. And I'm always, I'm, I have a big belief cause I've been in this business for 30 plus years that doesn't work. You know, at least no. for a firm of, of 30 person or less, you can't hire a new business person. It's your job, you know, yep. and that is not the answer to your problems. Because I, yeah. every time you hire a new business person, they're very expensive. There's a lot of challenges with it. It doesn't always work, and almost always doesn't work. And my, and I'm like, listen to me. I've learned this from years of experience from my clients who've yeah, made yeah. that mistake. You know, so yeah. it's just I know some best practices that have helped my clients skip a few stages that other clients have made. So learning from other people's mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and, and I'm the same. I learned, I've learned from my own mistakes. Yeah. I learned from, it's interesting, starting a business as a designer, I never called myself a CEO. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I never called myself the, even the founder because I was very much the person who was the creative person behind the yeah. brand. You know, it's like, it took me a long time to try to shift to working on the business yep. because I knew how vital that was for me to progress from the creative director to the CEO yeah. and genuinely own that title yeah. CEO. Um, yeah. You know, again, I didn't know what even knew what that meant. It sounded too corporate at the yeah. time, and the business, the business was so used to me working on the projects, on the yeah, business, exactly. in the business. They kept pulling me back every time there was there was something go wrong or yeah. a creative opportunity. I'd be pulled back into the business um, to to get to do what I was what I was perceived as being good yeah. at, what I wanted to learn at. And I kept trying to, I kept hiring CEOs and general managers and MDs. Yeah. And each time I hired a person, they, they failed. Exactly. And it wasn't their fault. Exactly. It was my fault because I wasn't clear about what I wanted from them. I thought they're miraculously going to come and fix it. And also, they didn't have your passion. So you know what kind of, you no. want, you know your business innately. You knew what kind of clients you wanted and how you wanted it run. And no one's going to know that better yep. than you. Exactly. Yeah. As visionary and passionate you can, as you can be about your business, you can also be the greatest obstacle. Um, and, and realizing that you are potentially the block. Yeah. You are, unless you shift and change, unless you own yeah. it, unless you start delegating and stop ad, advocate, how do you say it? Advocating, advocating like, yeah. like, it's like, well, shift to that owning it 100%. Yeah. Now that is really, really hard for a lot of people. Yeah. And as I said, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of pressure to pull you back into yeah. your comfort zone, pull back into your comfort zone, whether it's designing your life or designing your business or taking ownership and control over your business, you know, I, don't know, I, used, to, I used to always blame everybody around me um, for, it, for it not working. Oh and God, ultimately, yeah. it was me. Yeah. Ultimately, it was me. You know, it's me. The, the buck stops with me because I'm the owner of the business, yeah. the majority shareholder. You know, it's funny you say that because one of my favorite talks, the title of one of my favorite talks is it's called It's Your Fault. <laughs> because I think yeah. a lot of times we're our own problem. Right. So we've yeah. done things to like when a client is misbehaving, we did a lot to encourage that or not to read the red flags. There were a lot of things we could do to be much more strategic and who we work with. And so I always talk to that. I'm like, 
rather than blame your clients for being assholes or blaming your staff for being, you know, not creative, really look to yourself and say, what can I, what did I do first? Because more than likely you contributed yeah. to the problem. Or you, because by, by not telling them, they didn't even know they were doing things, right? So yeah. I, I remember having this kind of like not a great relationship with a client. Like we just didn't get along. And I allowed it to continue for a long time. And I was just about to fire her when I thought, I'll just tell her, you know. And she was, she was so happy. I called her and she said, I'm so glad you told me that because I was going to call. I, I've been feeling the same thing. Like, you've been a bitch. And I'm like, you've been a bitch, you know. <laughs> and then we talked about it. And it was fantastic. It was like the most. Who said it first? I said it first. God, you're tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I just need to talk to you. I said, like, we're having, I, we're having challenges. We're just fighting all the time. You're kind of being bitchy. And she's like, well, you've been a bitch, too. And I'm like, I know. Let's figure this out. Why is that? You know, and it worked out really fantastic, yeah. you know. Um, and it was hard conversation, right? But we got to a really good place because we just talked about it. I don't know where I was going yeah, with that. Well, that no, yeah. no, I, I think it's really important. Um, I think it's important to... I mean, initially with all these things is something I say, like, you know, I've done a lot of talks as well about the business of design in the past. And, and as, as well as like the, it's like you get to that point when you kind of grow beyond yourself and you have multiple people working with you. Yeah. Um, that whole kind of the realization at that moment in time, you've got to be good at everything. You've got to be good at new business. You've got to be good at the design. You've got to be good at, you know, running, delegating to people, getting the work done, invoicing, all that yeah. stuff. You've got to be good at that and then the realization comes that you're not good at all of that <laughs> even though you kind of just yeah. for survival purposes earlier on in a business you've got to make that yeah. work and you don't you can't afford an accountant you can't afford a new business person although you're not going to say new business person but you can't afford a whole bunch of different things that would make your business ideal yeah. um, in terms of a business's you know the culture the structure yeah. the people to that are better at things that you are, aren't so good at. Exactly. So that transition is really, that's really important because I think a lot of people equally get stuck yeah. in that early on in a business and don't think or know how to progress into the business that they want to achieve because they catch, you know, often you don't even see what that might feel yeah. like or look like. Or you like. don't envision it. But yeah, that's like designing your life yeah. kind of thing, yeah. And when it starts to kind of kick in, when you make those moves, when you can afford, when you have a plan and you start to implement that plan, even against the odds, even if it's hard and it goes against your, what you feel, when you start to see it work, God, that feels yeah. good. It, that's the thing I would encourage anybody listening in to know that it does, it can get better with a really, um, could be a simple plan, but a really solid plan of what you want to achieve with your life, what you want to achieve with your business and map that out and, and, and go forward and start to kind of make incremental steps towards applying that plan, even if the world seems against you at the yeah. time or naysayers in the background yeah. telling you not to do it or yeah. whatever. Go follow your heart, get the best advice possible like yeah. you um, and, 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 and know that it actually is possible yeah. to achieve a, a better outcome. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, great. We're going to wrap this up. Have you designed your life? Oh, I have. I've been very intentional about where my life is going. And it doesn't always go exactly where I go, but it's taken me into amazing places. No. So, yeah, I absolutely have designed my life. Well, that's fantastic yeah. to hear. And it's, it's been so lovely to catch up with you, Emily. Um, and, and I guess that the people who are going to attend the event in Melbourne coming up soon, 
uh, will get a, f a deeper um, understanding of how they can design a better business uh, as yeah, well. it sounds like an awesome event with great speakers. I'm excited to do it. I actually I'm excited to come back to Australia. I was actually in, I spoke in Melbourne, uh, Melbourne, about two and a half right before COVID. So I'm looking forward to coming yeah. back. Um, it's a great city. So well, hopefully see you too. Yeah, um, catch yeah, up. it would be great to meet you in person. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Design Your Life with a straight talking creative business consultant Emily Cohen. Stay tuned for the upcoming episode to the Fitter series with Tim Brown, meditation expert on the power of meditation and how you can learn to utilize it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life. If you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life, head to the website at designyourlife.com.au. If you found this episode inspiring, please don't forget to review and subscribe. If you have any ideas or like to get in touch, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au.